I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Laura Ketzel. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by senior analysts Dario Maestro and Jeffrey Rajamani to discuss the rise and fall of Gaia-X. Welcome both. Thanks. Thanks. It's great to be here. Great to be here as well. So let's start at the very beginning. What exactly is Gaia-X and what were its goals? So... I would like to kind of step back a little bit and talk about the underlying context. When you look at cloud technologies, cloud computing is, which is actually providing remote, you know, on-demand data storages, computing and networking options, including big data and so on, are reducing IT costs for businesses. Now, what, who, is, who are the players here? Non-European service providers today are hosting about uh, almost uh, you know, 80% of the European data. So players like uh, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud, and also uh, Alibaba from the Chinese market are actually dominating the market in Europe. And the market share of these three companies has been growing uh, steadily uh, over the last year. You know, prior to the pandemic, it was 50% and now it's risen to over 66, 67%. Now, European service providers, European citizens and European governments are watching this very carefully. And what has happened is, where is the data being stored when the hyperscalers, specifically those from the US, are uh, making inroads or have made inroads into the European market. So the question is, is it lawful? You know, the market share of US companies, as I just mentioned, is increasing. So Europe's attention has kind of steadily focused on the practices of these American hyperscalers. And uh, in the US, there was this uh, US Cloud Act of 2018, which actually facilitates federal agencies uh, to, you know, to the data hosted by the U.S. providers it uh, for the national security purposes. So what is happening is this Cloud Act, there was, uh, in addition to that, there was this, the so-called FISA Act, which also grants national security agencies access to foreign data. Now, all this has kind of opened the eyes of European lawmakers wide. So they kind of look at uh, what is happening with the data, who is accessing this data. So European states are kind of now uh, trying to see how best can we uh, you know, bring any concerns to light? How do we start looking at data privacy? This, this situation is called over these questions. And now they have brought in digital sovereignty as one of a uh, very key aspects that uh, has to uh, be addressed. And that is uh, probably, you know, uh, also given start to the so-called governance framework for data and also to develop European specific cloud solutions. And I think that is the context of the birth of the so-called Gaia-X project. So all this happened uh, between 2018 and early 2019 when the French and the German uh, governments got together and said, 
let's uh, you know decide on a common approach for developing the European infrastructure, and uh, that was the birth of this Gaia X. Gaia X is is a panel, is a framework, is a set of actors, people, and rules to actually bring everybody in the panel, so the, the, the participating countries, uh, at a certain level of standardization with regard to rules and infrastructure and whatever you need to actually make a, a, a unified experience, a unified infrastructure, cloud infrastructure across Europe. For sure, this has, this has to do with the fact that you know, we have to uh, counterbalance the presence of the hyperscalers and somehow also regulate the presence of, 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 of foreign actors within the European uh, geographies and the European landscape. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting initiative for a number of reasons that has had so far a number of different results in different countries in Europe. We have now initiatives in, in France, in Germany, in Italy, in Spain, that have all seen a common uh, starting point in the GAIA-X uh, experience, so to say. So I remember when this initiative sort of officially launched to much fanfare in, in 2019, and there were definitely some stakeholders here in Europe who thought, this is our chance. We're going to build the European cloud hyperscaler with this initiative. But as far as I can tell, that hasn't happened. Is there anything I missed or, or has that really not happened? Actually, it has worked quite nicely given the European standards on how things work. Uh, as I said, I mean, Europe is a complex uh, uh, is a complex landscape for language barriers, for economic barriers, for technology barriers. Not all countries are at the same stage. And let me tell you, Laura, uh, I start, I'm, I, I'm an Italian. I studied in France. I studied in the UK for, for what matters. And I, I work in Germany. And I can tell, I mean, the, there are so many different stages of cloud adoption and also technology adoptions within Europe that setting up standards, you know, for all the actors in this crazy continent and this crazy European Union, uh, it's, not, it's not the easiest of the tasks. Though, though and, and trust me on this, I mean, I, again, I'm an Italian citizen living in Germany, those two countries, and this is you know the most recent example that I can bring here to this panel, are a really different starting point in, in regard to digital transformation, uh, both in the public sector and in the private sector, bringing those two countries up to a point where they both start an initiative at a government level for accelerating the cloud journeys in the public sector. That's it, that is already a, a, a success, and that has actually happened in Germany, Italy, and France. There's been a lot of groundwork done, and this uh, this initiative, Laura, you know, was well thought through. A lot of work went through. I mean, uh, there are like uh, 300 and odd uh, members uh, already. There are 1,800 contributors, 42 use cases covering several industries. So obviously a lot of work has gone through. So when we actually look at the organizational structure of Gaia-X is built on three pillars, 
So one is the association itself. The second one is actually building up of so-called Gaia X hubs. And the third is community. I will not talk about all three in detail, but just about the hubs. Look at the hubs as think tanks. Look at the hubs as grassroots supporters for this Gaia X project. They have boomed. They have come across in Germany, in France, in Italy, exactly to Dario's point, and of late also in Poland. So countries are setting up these hubs, connecting stakeholders, spreading the interest level, coordinating with each other, consolidating initiatives, streamlining uh, cooperation between all these stakeholders, ensuring that there is no doubling of work. So in that sense, a lot has been done. Now, the the, maybe the pandemic uh, has kind of slowed down things because when you look at the big picture and the big needle, has it moved? And that is a question people think, okay, it has not moved. It has been slow, but a lot of groundwork has been done. It's still in the prototyping phase, uh, Laura. So the, the 42 use cases I talked about they are kind of being brought into the light. So just to be totally clear about this, the in original intent with the GAIA-X initiative was to deliver production services in 2021. That didn't happen, as far as I can tell. And I don't think we've had any real kind of production-ready production services in 2022 either. Is that fair, or did I miss something? I think you're spot on. Uh, in terms of uh, meeting this goal, it has not happened. Okay, and uh, uh, this can be attributed to the several disturbances uh, in the geopolitical situation, in uh, uh, the the healthcare, the pandemic situation, and so on. But uh, there has been a delay. Yes. Are there other contributing factors? Obviously, the pandemic being one of them. Um, you know that is contributing to. I guess it's not meeting its goal or it's slower. At a country level, there have been initiatives uh, which have split up the, the cloud adoption. Uh, most probably, I mean, we, we cannot say for sure because, I mean, this has not happened, but the Gaia-X might have worked better uh, without the, the showstopper of the pandemic. Then, you know, all countries would have had much, would have relied much more onto this European framework. But then all of a sudden, everybody was busy, you know, making these recovery plans and these, and these plans to actually cope with the current situation within the country. So I think what, what Laura said, it's spot on, but the priorities have changed meanwhile. And, uh, and actually uh, the, the GAIAX framework and the, the fact itself that there was su such a thing in place in Europe like a place where people would actually communicate and that set the, the, the ground for, for, for this cloud uh, revolution to happen. I, I, I guess it's been great. Uh, the, count, the, the, the overall organization is, I mean, the overall project is delayed in regard to the original plans, to the original goals, but there are a number of things that have been achieved beyond those goals. I think that's fair, but the the question I would then have is, so Gaia-X sort of, in my view, failed in its sort of original aims, right? But it's produced a bunch of 
useful second order effects, if if we can say it that way, right? At the country level, you've had stakeholders who got impatient with the bureaucratic process of Gaia X, who like went off and did their own thing and produced really useful stuff. Uh, and there's some good examples in the data spaces world. Talk a little bit explicitly about what we've seen from some of those country level initiatives and kind of in other areas. Because I agree that there's been some useful, there's been some useful results from this. But I think the, the initiative in what it set out to do, it didn't actually do any of those things. But it did a bunch of other things that actually turned out to be helpful. Sure. Uh, so uh, I think you're right, uh, Laura. So uh, this is a new initiative that just started, let's say, three, four years ago. And a lot of them thought it's a teething issue, is just uh, a starting problem and so on. But, you know, what is uh, what we have also seen is some of the founding members of this Gaia-X uh, to name that was a scale way of French cloud provider, they looked at the uh, the misgivings about the future direction. They looked at the delays that were happening. And at, you know, one fine day, they kind of exited being a founder member and they said they are not going to renew the membership. So this has happened. So the, the desire to be open, actually, uh, they thought is conflicting with the data sovereignty principles. So that was the uh, that was the reason that uh, Scaleway gave when they said they exited. Now, when you talk about you know, what has happened instead, in the meantime, you know, when we look at non-European providers, they, they all must meet these compliance standards. But the, the attractiveness of this initial, uh, this initial announcement, the setting up of the goals, the hubs, and so on, it kind of fizzled out. I mean, nobody says, okay, the pandemic is to blame now, but where are the results? You know, where have we what, what progress has been done. So this has allowed, uh, you know, on the one hand, bureaucracy, red tapism is all added to this. But companies, uh, countries like France, Germany, Poland, and Italy, I think uh, Dario alluded to this, all have started similar initiatives with their, uh, or, uh, their own countries. Uh, just uh, to mention that Germany actually, uh, you know, banned the digital health apps and said any transfer of data outside the EU will be stopped. And, uh, uh, you know, this uh, cloud deconference from France and the Italy governments also, uh, they uh, created a national infrastructure for CSPs, cloud service providers, with special security. So these are kind of some of the developments that have happened while waiting for, you know, uh, allowing the bud of this Gaia-X to uh, blossom into a flower. Albeit possibly not the original flower that was intended, but we get flowers, we get flowers nonetheless. Can either of you tell us a little bit more about the things that the non-European hyperscalers have done to basically come up to scratch uh, against the kinds of principles that Gaia-X was espousing? Because I think that is definitely one of the principal benefits that, that we've gotten here as a community of consumers of those services. Correct. So uh, first of all, uh, we, have, we have this distinction, you know, between data sovereignty and data residency. So where are the data stored and whom the data belong to? And we have seen an acceleration uh, in the number of regions that get created 
in Europe in order to serve the different European countries by the hyperscalers and both, you know, by, 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 by the European, by US-based hyperscalers, but also by uh, European-based cloud provider. Now, uh, an interesting question is uh, uh, around the, the backup of data, for example, and where the data, and where the data should, should be running, meaning one hyperscaler might have or does have uh, now a, a data center or a cloud region in one nation, okay, to serve that specific country. Uh, and the question is, what happens with backup? What, that, what happens, you know, with, with all the things that, 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 that uh, the, the provider needs in order to grant the business continuity of the, uh, of the end users of its clients? And this is, and this is now one thing that, is, that, that, that we are also investigating. Now, how are really when the, the, the cloud providers, the hyperscalers, uh, putting up solutions in place to, uh, to make it in such a way that like a file, like the one in Brussels from, from ABH or OVH uh, that, that, you know, that recently happened, doesn't really stop the, the providers, clients uh, and users from doing, from doing their job. You are spot on there, uh, Dario. I agree with you. The three hyperscalers are upgrading their offerings. Uh, even as we speak, they give users easy control over their data. They are uh, simplifying existing capabilities, investing in new tools, new capabilities, customer managed uh, encryption, virtualization technologies. Now, uh, you know, they are uh, adhering to the contractual commitments to disclose just the minimum data that is required by law, commitment to safeguard data so that it doesn't leave the EU, uh, it doesn't leave the EEA as well, the European Economic Area. So all these are underlying principles that they are adhering to. And not to forget GDPR, you know. Uh, GDPR, they are also compliant with GDPR. They're very uh, sensitive to the laws of the GDPR as well. I have seen that uh, enterprise clients are also requesting their vendors to sign up EU model clauses in addition to GDPR, in addition to uh, other data privacy laws saying, you know, please, uh, the EU model clauses are a much more closer and clear indication of uh, how data, where does data reside and who accesses it. So these are some of the steps that hyperscalers are also doing. And there are some specific, you were talking about bilateral agreements with, with some of the European infrastructure providers and others. There are some specifics between some, well, local companies, because a lot of these are enormous European companies, but they're European nonetheless, uh, having agreements with some of the hyperscalers to provide specific sets of cloud services in specific countries, right? Can you talk a little bit about, uh, about those initiatives? Yeah, so there are definitely partnerships in place. And, and what we see is that this is actually pretty funny because what got started to be uh, initiatives that should grant uh, sovereignty and residency, you know, and being ring-fenced against, you know, the U.S. hyperscaler actually always uses at some point the help of the U.S. hyperscalers, which means in Germany, this was with Google. In Italy, this is with Amazon w, uh, with, with, with um, Amazon Web Services. Um, and the, the setup was in, in the different countries was born with, with a telephony company, you know, like in, in France, Orange, with a cloud provider, uh, um, OVH. 
but then, and, and, and system integrator uh, in France being Capgemini, but then at some point it, uh, the, it always uh, go to, uh, it always goes to a US hyperscaler for support. This happened again in Germany where you know the 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 the, the agreement in, involves now uh, Google uh, cloud platforms to support on certain on certain aspects of the of the cloud infrastructure development on and on the other and uh, in Italy we had we have actually the the, the contract was recently signed between the between the government a couple of local players and AWS for the delivery of government cloud services just to add on there, we see that Google Cloud Platform, uh, Laura, has tied up with T-Systems here in Germany. I think uh, Dario alluded to this. We also uh, see that, you know, players like Clura, Orange, OVH Cloud in France, Swisscom in Switzerland, all of these have looked up for tie-ups with one of the three uh, U.S. hyperscalers. And um, there the, when it comes to Alibaba, who's one of the largest player also in China, they have uh, also uh, made inroads into the European market and they have tied up with Vodafone in Germany and they offer. So these are some of the uh, tie-ups that have happened as a res result of this uh, bipartisan relationships. Got it. So then one of the other sort of interesting second order effects of the of the Gaia X initiative has been all the activity in the world of data spaces because that wasn't obviously the original intent of the of the Gaia X initiative launch but it's in my view one of the salutary uh, second order effects. So can you guys talk a little bit about all the activity we've had in Europe with different kinds of both industry specific and other kinds of data sharing spaces and and sort of data uh, data economy facilitation uh, kinds of infrastructure, in quotes. Are we talking here of another X factor, Laura, like the Catena X? Exactly. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and that's and that's the and that's really the X factor of nowadays. Um, this all this is also like uh, a common trend, which is you know regulation and 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 panels that try to keep. Um, to keep the speed with the reality. Reality is uh, automakers in this case have been partnering for a while now, and we've seen like mergers and acquisitions, the last one being Stellantis out of you know, the French automakers and the, and the Italian automaker. Uh, why? Because the level of investments and the revolution that the, the, the automotive mar uh, market is, is really uh, foreseeing is is too big for a single for for a single manufacturer a car manufacturer to to, to really uh, be funded and you know and, and be brought forward. Now, uh, as a portrait, as a as a consequence, there is a number of things that uh, that automakers in this case with with Catena X uh, can do together, and this is what I call competition meaning uh, they are competitors, but in order to establish a new playground that is one level higher than the current playground, they actually cooperate. And in doing this, they become competitors. And I think the data initiative that, term, that, that you're mentioning, is, you know, how to really leverage the best of breed of the data from different 
car manufacturers, automakers, I would rather say, uh, in order to improve the efficiency throughout the system and come up with a better product, better processes, better services, and serve better, the, uh, uh, in the end, the people that this product have to serve. I think this is, this is one of the main consequences you know, of having this uh, European market consolidating both from a pro proprietary perspective and also from a more competitive perspective. So just for those who those who may not have seen Catena X before, D Dario, the, you, you got to most of this in your answer, but it's a cooperation among the big auto manufacturers to share data in a more profound way that still preserves their ability to compete with one another while they collaborate, which is a, which, which is a useful goal because of the level of investment required. Okay, so that was the data spaces. So let's just go back to Gaia X for a moment. And what will happen with Gaia X overall? Where do you see this and where will it be in a couple of years' time? You cannot write it off uh, as yet because uh, there's the, the groundwork and the momentum which was slowed down will continue at rapid pace going forward. Just yesterday, I was reading about a Cyber Resilience Act that uh, the EU uh, Parliament uh, agreed upon. So all these are now uh, steps in the right direction, which will enable also the momentum to pick up with the Gaia-X uh, regulations. What I uh, expect in the future is uh, you know, uh, edge computing uh, will actually make inroads so the European initiatives in the cloud sector, they actually are rather a good practical way in which, uh, you know, they, the hazy terms of data sovereignty can actually be illustrated. Now, when it comes to storing and processing of data that's stored in Europe, according to European law, and you, you kind of foster a digital ecosystem that gives the customer the choice of their suppliers and data production regimes, you need an opportunity to implement these principles. And I think edge computing will play a major role there. We are moving towards this and edge computing will actually be, can uh, uh, give the impetus to uh, uh, Gaia-X to take its form and shape. Uh, and all the initial uh, teething problems that they had, they would kind of wipe it out and it will be moving forward. As I mentioned, uh, the new acts that are coming, European-wide acts, and also the sensitivity that all European enterprises are seeing in having in, in the importance of this Gaia-X will only improve and increase. And I don't think that it'll fall back or it'll die a slow death. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I guess the key here is just that we are living in this European cloud dystopian uh, reality uh, because the, the cloud moves fast and Europe doesn't move a, 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 as fast as the cloud. We are all used in this sector, in the, in the digital sector, technology sector, we are used you know, to be agile, to be fast, you know, and to deliver things, to deliver yesterday, things that are thought to be for, for tomorrow. We have, we, we, we have now recently had clients who were complaining about the uh, cloud vendors not delivering innovation at a fast enough pace anymore. And how can how does this match with the bureaucracy, you know, and with the lengthy processes uh, at, at a European level? Moreover, when boards are not like really set up, there, there is not 
a European Commission for you know set up on purpose and regulated for GAEX is an initiative is is regulated up up to a certain point. But I guess this is really the point: this European cloud dystopian view where we have Europe moving with its processes at a certain pace, and us in this sector being uh, used to these fast speed tracks and do everything now, everything fast. This is, this is not simply how things work, you know, at a European, at a European level. So I guess Jeffrey is right. Uh, GAIAX will, will have some, some, some developments and the uh, keyword is going to be patient. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Same here. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed the podcast. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.